In this episode, Robin has a fascinating interview with Laura Peters from Amnesty International, and we go inside the blanket fort to talk about stress and how we deal with it. All this and more on The Leftscape! Hi, I'm Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. And I'm Wendy Sheridan. Mary McGinley can't be with us this week. But this week starts out uh, on the 13th of November with World Kindness Day. Uh, I think every day should be World Kindness Day, but having a day to remind people, hey, be nice, <laughs> is a good thing. Uh, the 14th is World Diabetes Day and National Pickle Day. Uh, the 15th is America Recycles Day and National Clean Out Your Fridge Day. I think I need to get to that one early this year. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I might call it a National What's This Science Experiment in My Fridge Day. <laughs> um, the 16th is the International Day of Tolerance. And I like that also. The 17th is National Take a Hike Day. And that's to actually take a hike and not tell uh, somebody to get out of your room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also Homemade Bread Day. I have been, and I actually hope we actually make some bread on that day. Uh, I had been planning like this whole homemade sourdough every day for dinner thing because I have a book that tells you how to make bread in 10 minutes a day, which is basically you have your sourdough in the fridge and you take a, a lump of it out and let it, you know, like in the afternoon and you let it rise while you're doing your other things and you throw it in the oven for 10 minutes before dinner and you have like this fresh hot loaf of bread. I bought this book, I think, eight years ago and we have yet to do it. Oh no, so. <laughs> sourdough is delicious too, so. I hope yeah, I, I'm, I'm really into fresh bread. And on the 18th is World Toilet Day. <laughs> now, is that uh, focusing on getting uh, plumbing to places that don't have it? Or is it just some Yeah, I weird... think it really is. It just sounded okay. really It sounds weird. really silly. But it's really, <laughs> it sounds really Yes, exactly. And it's also National Princess Day. Um, and it's, it's a day to let your princess flag fly but it was started to celebrate the release of the animated film, The Swan Princess, which I don't want to give a lot of publicity to. It's just such, I had, my daughter found it when she was very young and I had to watch it a lot. And the songs in it are just not that good. It was just, it was pain. You know, it's one of those things that, that when your child really is into something, even if it's painful for you, do you just kind of deal with it? But yeah, I know damn, a lot of people I've felt seen like, it too much. Yeah. I know people felt like the, uh, felt like that about the Teletubbies. <laughs> if, like, please just go away. <laughs> Although I find them kind of surreal. I don't know. I don't know. 
I, I think she, my daughter was the wrong age and I'm really thankful about that yeah. because I mean, there were other things we had. I mean, we watched like the original blues clues and the big comfy couch. I like blues clues. <laughs> I liked the, those were okay. I liked all of those, you know? Um, and I, and, and since I'm not around tiny children, like infant and toddlers really much anymore, I'm not up on any of the new things like i don't know what that baby shark song sounds like and i oh. not looking it up either I, I i do know it i will not sing it for you because <laughs> it will you. never leave your brain <laughs> that's why i have not looked it up i already have enough earworms to last me and uh wrapping up this week is international men's day and uh and P national play monopoly day so so the men who complain that they don't have a day, they have a day. <laughs> yes, they do. And as a matter of fact, it, uh, when we talked about non-binary day, which was the our post that kind of went a little viral uh, earlier this year, it's halfway in between. That was halfway in between Women's Day and Men's Day. So it's kind oh, of. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Somebody yeah. actually did something on purpose. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I also saw a meme about Monopoly snarky meme about uh the our income our current income inequality and it's like uh give one player all of the properties except for uh like baltic avenue and most of the money and then and then when you can't win because you're not that player that that they blame you for being lazy that is uh <laughs> that makes a point uh, yeah <laughs> Oh man! I recently did play Monopoly, Pokemon Monopoly, with my little cousin. That was fun, and not so, not so political. So, <laughs> so is is the Pokemon Monopoly a similar? Is it does it is, is it still property and is there jail and all that stuff, or did they change all of that around? Uh, it's similar. Like you, you're buying sort of groups. Yes, there's instead of actual properties, it's like groups of various Pokemon, and you're like taking those and then the but yeah it's the board is set up the same you know oh yeah well i figured the board set up the same but i just you know it's uh it's gathering pokemon yeah and so do you get stuck in the pokeball instead of going to jail that would be good because <laughs> you know in the pokemon universe like that is really not a very it's not very humane if you think about it, it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> well let's yeah i know it's like <laughs> So this tiny thing until they're <laughs> until they're called upon to fight. It's like, yeah, that's not like real nice. It's like maybe it's like a TARDIS, though, you know, they have. Yeah, let's hope room. so. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> anyway, that's Geekscape talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'll be actually we could do that. We'll have an episode on the Geekscape and talk about Pokemon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so birthdays. Today is the birthday of Jimmy Kimmel and Whoopi Goldberg. I need laughter in my life, so I'm thankful to those folks. <laughs> oh yes, I've been I've been rewatching uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I'm on the season where Whoopi Goldberg was on a lot, and I just loved her character Guinan in there. She was so cool. Awesome, very very cool. And November 14th is the birthday of Claude Monet, who was born in 1840. And also of Joseph Simmons, who is better known as Reverend Run of Run DMC. And it is Run's house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the 15th is Georgia O'Keeffe's birthday. And I just now learned that um, her 
O'Keefe is spelled with two F's. I did not know that. So I did not know that either. I had to double check that one. Yep, that is correct. Uh, November 16th, Lisa Bonet. November 17th is Danny DeVito, RuPaul, and Martin Scorsese. Awesome. Yes. And Danny DeVito is half of the reason that I quit caffeine. Really? Which, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the movie Twins was playing too often in my house. It made me, drove me crazy. And I realized I was stressed out. But that's the short <laughs> version. <laughs> and November 18th is the birthday of Kirk Hammett, the guitarist for Metallica, and Mickey Mouse. So happy birthday, Mickey. <laughs> and the 19th was the birthday of Indira Gandhi. I, we don't have to do it now or on the air, but I, I need to, to I, I'm very now curious about how the reason why Twins was playing nonstop in your house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was, yeah, I, I will relay that, that tale. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, and next up is all the news that we can handle. So our Patreon uh, is officially launched today. If you haven't heard about it from the ads and all of the other stuff we've been inundating your Facebook stream with, uh, now is the time to sign up, please. Yes, please join us. We're going to be doing some exciting stuff, new content and opportunities to hang out and all kinds of things. So we're looking forward to yeah. uh, growing. We need some love. Show us some love. <laughs> so what else is happening? Jane Fonda's getting arrested, eh? Yeah, it's, uh, well, as we are recording this on a Monday, uh, the week before this airs, uh, Jane Fonda got arrested on the fourth Friday in a row last Friday, and possibly by the time this airs, there would have been a fifth Friday where she got arrested. And I think um, this time Ted Danson got arrested with her, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and she's, uh, she's doing this for a climate change protest, yes? Yeah, that's what I thought it was. I haven't I haven't followed up on this completely yet, but I thought it was about climate. And yes. she's being very um, diligent, which is cool. Um, I don't know. It's so funny because Jane Fonda is such a dividing line for a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I like But they her. still haven't forgiven her for Vietnam. Okay. Lot, yeah, there are people who, yeah, just will never, ever. Uh, okay. <laughs> which is a shame. <laughs> But um, I, I was I think I was annoyed with her at the time. Um, but that's also because I was a lot less nuanced in my reading of things and opinions on things. Things mm -hmm. were, were very, you know, because that, that I was a kid. I was you know late teens, early 20s. So you can be very judgmental. Actually, can be very judgmental at any time of your life. But when you're that young you think you have it all figured out and you know everything and nobody else knows anything. And if you say, Oh, she's not doing this right thing. And you, that's that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a lot more strident at that age too. I think yes. a lot of people are, but good for Jane. Just yeah. uh, being visible. Yeah. And, and trying to being do... aff affording to be able to be arrested every week. Not everybody has the budget for that. Exactly. That's the thing. You know, I mean, I've definitely been in protests where, I opted to go peacefully before people started getting arrested just because I didn't feel like I could 
I just didn't feel like I could navigate that, you know? Yeah. And I felt some guilt around that, but I know that other people feel either they have more privilege or they have more resources or more time or something. I that, got arrested once, but it wasn't for protesting. It was, it was for driving and I shouldn't have been. Oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> no, it, it's, it, this is, this is my, my crime, my, my, my lifetime, my career of crime uh, peaked when I lost my license for basically driving 70 miles an hour on the Garden State Parkway. That's not Which, that fast. But... No, it's not. But it, it, I'm, I'm just telling you, this is this is this is how it starts. Well, wow. <laughs> this was this was when the speed limit was down to 55 because of okay. the the mandated speed limit thing, thinking it was going to save gas. Right. Um, and driving 70 on the parkway, you need to actually for those of you who are not from New Jersey, the Garden State Parkway is like this huge highway going north and south across the entire state. And it's, you know, got eight lanes or nine lanes in some areas. And if I'm doing 70, I really need to be in the slow lane because people are blasting past me at 90, 100 miles an hour. So, but I would get pulled over. I had, this was during my 90 mile commute, my 90 mile daily commute. I got a lot of, I got a lot of speeding tickets over that period of time. And once you get 12 points, they take your license away. But I had just come off of unemployment, of being unemployed, and I had a 30 mile commute. And I actually looked at what cabs would cost. And I figured, oh, I, if I took cabs back and forth to work for the 30 day suspension, I would make $5 a day. Right. <laughs> so it's like, I said, fuck it, I'm driving. And I, I like stupidly went out for lunch and I had a van that needed a new muffler. So it was really loud. Oh, and uh, it's a good hippie van. It had like a painting on the side. I bought it used <laughs> and it's <laughs> mystery machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was my band van. <laughs> I hauled all the equipment. And, so you and... weren't too incons inconspicuous. No. And I got arrested and they put me in handcuffs. And I spent my lunch hour sitting on a metal bench at, this tiny little police station in Allentown, New Jersey. And, and it, you know, I had, I had up until that point enjoyed handcuffs for other reasons. And now like keep them fucking things away from me. Oh. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> but uh, yeah, so being arrested was not, and, and even this was like a, a gentle arresting, you know, um, as far, you know, they didn't really manhandle me, but you know, I had, I was cuffed and cuffed behind and you're, and you're with people who are police and you don't know them or trust them and you're helpless and it's fucking scary. And, and they go, you know, my car's on the side of the road and, and they go, uh, you better, we're going to be watching. So you better not go drive. And I didn't, you know, and I was single and not family was hundreds and thousands of miles away. So I had to find two drivers to help me get out of this situation because I needed a ride and I needed somebody to drive my van. Wow. So I had a friend whose mother was still, you know, with it. And him and his mom came to get me from work at the end of the day. The police took me back to my job, at least when they were going to release me. Wow. That is a really nice arrest. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Okay. It, I didn't feel that way to me at the time, but you know, I, I, considering that there's people that die in custody, that yes, this was this was a, a nice white girl arrest, I guess. So, wow. 
<laughs> they kept asking me if I had tattoos and I didn't at the time. That was so, a question? Yeah. Like eight times they asked me if I had tattoos. What the fuck? Why? I don't know. I, it, distinguishing marks for the police uh, report? I don't know. Wow. It, <laughs> That's weird. It's my life, my life of crime. Um, <laughs> so what else happened in the news? Oh, speaking of, of criminals, um, Oklahoma uh, this morning, which is, uh, well, the morning recording, this is uh, November 4th. They have released over, they've released uh, 462 inmates today that, um, which is apparently the largest ever single day U.S. mass commutation of sentences. And the governor of Oklahoma did this because they had, the law had changed. They, in 2016, they, the voters approved a state question that made simple drug possession and low level property crimes misdemeanors instead of felonies. So all of these people who were in jail for those crimes that had gotten uh, downgraded, they got all released from jail. They got all their sentences commuted, which I thought was nice because, you know, you don't really think of Oklahoma as a place where shit like that happens. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I was actually hearing some uh, people talk about um, changing the way we, we do incarceration and that you have like people on the left and the right who both agree with that for very different reasons. So you definitely have <laughs> weird um, alliances that are working toward that together. Like people who feel it's about human rights and the people who feel like it's, we're wasting a lot of money housing people who've done <laughs> low level things, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever they, guns. <laughs> right? however you get to it. Um, I mean, I agree with both the human rights and the money part. <laughs> so. Right. There you go. Yeah. So so that was good. And, um, and apparently, uh, according to the article that, uh, this is the most people released on one day since, uh, president Obama commuted the drug sentences of 330 federal prisoners on his last day of office. Okay. So That's good that news. was cool. And yeah. I, I'd like to, I, I'm hoping that other state governors will consider doing similar things, you know, Okay, so what else is happening? What else can we handle today? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the transcripts of the closed-door impeachment hearings are going to be released. Um, Nancy Pelosi held the formal vote to uh, talk about how they're going to proceed with impeachment. And uh, I know some people felt, well, and what some people felt it was like placating the Republicans because like she really didn't technically need to hold a vote. You know, the way they were proceeding right. was technically fine. But I think um, it sort of was maybe a move to put to rest, like, you know, the complaints, like, you're not doing this openly, you should take a vote. And she's like, okay, well, we're going to take a vote. So she they did. voted and it was cool. And then the Republicans saying, I don't care that you voted now. We're going to protest cool. this <laughs> on this other, this other reason that we hadn't brought up until just now. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. But apparently I just, I just heard that the, the uh, transcripts from the, the hearings that they've had so far um, are going to be released. So that's going to be interesting to see um, more than just hearsay what right. had been said. That's cool. So that'll be good. And another thing, which was a surprise to me, I, I hadn't been following this, but uh, BuzzFeed had um, filed FOIA requests for all the Mueller's underlying um, materials, the source materials. Oh, wow. And those 
have been granted. So Mueller's report secret memos, a bunch of them were released uh, last week as of our recording. And um, they should be like monthly <laughs> a new new uh, document data dump. dump. <laughs> yeah, data dump every month for the next eight years. So if there's oh any God. idea of how much... <laughs> <laughs> how much material they had they had to look at and synthesize and you know to write something people complain that there were like 440 some pages hi of the Mueller this report. is robin oaks educator activist that, you know, writer all around by understand and look at you um, are listening to so it's like every page is based on like a hundred pages of source material <laughs> exactly like just a couple of things that we've learned so far paul manafort was pushing the unfounded conspiracy theory that is now part of the impeachment inquiry that Ukraine hacked Democratic National Committee's emails as early as oh, 2016 wow. that was being talked about. Uh, Michael Cohen, uh, let's see, had to keep Trump, he said he had to keep Trump out of the messaging related to Russia <laughs> and uh, in preparation for his testimony to Congress under oath and that the false testimony was not his idea, quote unquote. So he did say that in his discussion with Mueller. Um, top Trump campaign aide Rick, Rick Gates said the campaign was, quote, very happy, unquote, when a foreign government helped release the hacked DNC emails. And so there's all kinds of, you know, direct quotes we'll get to hear from people. And um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, I just, I haven't got a handle on all that, which was just released and I don't know how to learn. It just, it's so much that well, I think yeah. I'll be relying on other sources to read and explain it to me. <laughs> but um, but it's kind of wanna, amazing. I just want to throw out there, FOIA is uh, F-O-I-A, Freedom of Information Act. Yes. I just was jargony. I, I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> but not everybody was going to know that. Right, exactly. So, so that's, that's big. That's huge. It's, yeah. it's like Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> Like and I'm just thinking of in in political memos. Yeah, and I feel like you know we we know a lot. We can learn a lot more, but I I just feel like it'll be generations before we really like history has a whole understanding of what really went on because there's so much to synthesize and interpret, and the, what you're seeing now may or may not be how it comes to be seen later. So it's. I don't know. We're just in the in the thick of this. Stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's getting published because once it gets out, it's harder to cover it up and and say things didn't happen. And, yeah. Uh, well, you can say it. <laughs> well, no, you know, you know what I mean. It's it's harder it's harder to ob to to hide the truth. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's just I, I'm laughing because you know Trump was saying that he had this perfect call, phone call with Ukraine and everything. And, you know, one of his tweets the other day was like, read the transcript. And people are like, we did, <laughs> which is why this is happening. <laughs> so it's interesting how you can, you can deny anything, but yeah, if it's in writing, it's harder to, uh, people will see that, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, that's all the news that we can handle this week. Hi, this is Robin Oaks, educator, activist, writer, all around by Diva. You are listening to The Letscape.
The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hey, folks, we're doing a new thing, a Patreon page. We have the chance to grow, but we need your help. Become a patron and we will create a better experience for you with new segments, more interviews and exclusive content. We love this project and are excited to have you on board as part of the Leftscape team. Check us out at patreon.com slash leftscape. I'm here with Laura Peters. I'm very, very happy to have her on the Leftscape. Laura is a legislative coordinator with Amnesty International for Maryland. She has worked in politics and education for most of her career, first as a counsel to an education subcommittee for the U.S. House of Representatives, and then as a political appointee for the Clinton administration. Laura has written several books on education, technology, and politics. And she also identifies as gender fluid. So we're going to get to talk about all of that today. So welcome, Laura. Oh, thank you very much. I really uh, appreciate the invite. Awesome. So I'm curious just to hear a little bit about your work at Amnesty International. I'm not sure that I know what a legislative coordinator does, so I'd love to hear about that. Well, um, essentially, we are the connecting tissue, as it were, between Amnesty headquarters that sets priorities for uh, various different issues, uh, such as you know, the refugee issue and uh, detention at the border has been a very powerful issue. We go, we organize within our communities, uh, there are various amnesty chapters, local chapters, and we do training for those chapters to help them then prepare for what we call legislative days on the Hill. And they then go to their congressmen and senators to uh, tell them about their uh, interest in the issue and particularly to recommend certain kinds of um, measures that are on the floor or about to be passed, things that they can do proactively and positively to influence these priorities. So uh, we basically work with local grassroots groups and take that kind of action further in terms of also state and local. For example, this last couple of uh, months, we've been successful in passing some I welcome resolutions in local councils such as Rockville and Tacoma Park. And uh, the I welcome resolutions detail how we are a, a city or a community that welcomes immigrants and welcomes refugees. And so, um, that establishes, uh, you know, our um, our sense that people from other countries do not need to be demonized and uh, made into feeling, uh, you know, that they are um, not welcome in the community, that they're somehow negative forces in the community. We want to send out a positive message, and we reinforce that by having what we call longer table initiatives. So we have occasional dinners where we invite new refugee families to uh, eat with us and dine with us and and then to share their experiences and do uh, some uh, in the last uh, couple we we've done some art therapy work with them particularly with the children uh, to uh, try to help them kind of uh, be more um, 
communicative about the kind of trauma that they've gone through to, to get to, into the country. So although that's a range of things that we do. Oh, thank you. That's Yeah, that's helpful. Do you think that's helping the people in greater power to get um, to get the idea that that we can welcome people or to help it really helps to shift the the climate in Washington? Yeah, you know, that's really always a question of whether how much can one individual influence. I think you can't really predict that. What I think um, is important is that you try in the best possible way to to do the right thing. If there was silence, if they did not hear from groups like Amnesty, and, you know, I, I think that the situation would be a lot more negative. We've been successful in certain issues. For example, there was a transgender uh, individual from El Salvador who I met with recently, actually, um, who was denied entry into the country as a refugee, uh, denied asylum, uh, even though she qualified uh, in all the different respects for asylum, uh, simply because she was transgender. And it took a lot of legal expertise uh, to, to help free her, but also public pressure. We all wrote letters. Amnesty is known as you know a great letter-writing organization, and we wrote letters to various political officials and so on to put pressure to free her and for her to, uh, to you know, so the small things that you, you know of when you're inside Amnesty, which, which you know, really show that you, you, we can make a difference. Um, you know, there's 7 million people who belong to Amnesty uh, around the world. And um, there is so much uh, that, you know, that that group has been able to achieve. Uh, it's obviously not enough, nearly not, not nearly enough. But uh, without it, I think we would be in a lot more uh, dire situation. Thank you, thank you. Um, that is really, really great work. We talked recently at a an event in Northern Virginia, and I and you described yourself as an inside the Beltway person, and that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense given the government work you've done and and what you're doing now. Things seem extremely different to a lot of us um, since the time that you worked, so for example, like in the Clinton administration. And I'm wondering, how does that seem in D.C.? Is it Does things feel like business as usual with the Trump era or have things really changed? And um, I guess I guess I want to know, like, what's happening in that well, well, level of politics. Well, the most recent thing was that Trump got booed at the, uh, the next game uh, the other night. Uh, there was a chance of lock him up. A lot of and us are very happy about that. I think is, you know, really quite incredible, given the fact that, you know, Washington is a very conservative town. Uh, obviously, it's full of po- policy wonks. It's full of people who work for the government. Uh, and it is a sort of bubble. Uh, it doesn't represent a lot of the country. But for that chunk to have uh, taken place means that uh, there has been a sea change in Washington. From I, I think there has been a, a peculiar, I think since this Ukrainian scandal, a feeling like you can't normalize him anymore. There's been a, a whole effort in the last two years to, uh, to normalize this president in some way, despite the Mueller report, despite all the other things that were going on, scandal every day. The Ukrainian uh, scandal seems to have hit a nerve with the Washington group, and I think it will spread. It's not there yet. It's not 
in uh, the Midwest uh, as, as a number one issue yet, this whole impeachment thing. But the, uh, the amount of the culminating nature of this evidence against this uh, person who seems to be uh, willing to flout every single law, every single, uh, I mean, the basic uh, value of having a president is, is that he remains loyal, at least to the country. And the Ukrainian point uh, seems to suggest that he has uh, betrayed the country, he has sold the country uh, just for his pure political ambition. And that is now, I think, apparent for pe people to see. I don't think it can be tolerated. And the question is, you know, will the, uh, will the Senate see it the same way? I think we're, we're, but we're, we're, we're heading in, in, in a whole new direction than we were last since the last uh, two or three months. That's encouraging. Mm -hmm. um, if someone doesn't have the benefit of being part of Washington politics, what are some of the effective, what are some of the most effective ways we can affect positive change, do you think? Well, I think everybody has to make their own decision about what kinds of change they feel is important for them to achieve. Um, I believe that we all are here for a purpose. We're all, you know, we've we've all been given some powers to to help to serve. Martin Luther King said it well. He said, you know, everybody can be great because everybody has the capacity to serve. And uh, serving a greater good sends a message to other people to serve their own greater good. Uh, and the greater good could be defined as helping, as I do. I volunteer for a group called a wider circle here in Silver Spring. Uh, it uh, provides clothing for uh, individuals who are looking for work, who can't afford the suits and the outfits that they need to um, to appear professional in an interview. So we we dress them out. There's also furniture they can have if they're just starting uh, their own apartment. Um, so this is a very welcoming place. It's 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 uh, it's a remarkable place. People should know more about it. Um, and I do counseling there for for people who've got very limited job skills, but really want to get that first job and get their get some dignity, self-dignity, self-worth. So it begins, you, you've tried, you, have to, you have to try to figure out where you can make a difference and where it's satisfying to make a difference. But everybody can. Um, and the small things. And if you think about your own life, you think about the small things, the small ways individuals in your own life made a difference for you. Uh, small acts of generosity. Small uh small uh, gestures of encouragement and, and, and confidence building, giving you, you know, some, some, some feeling that you can do something. You are worth something. So that's my general life philosophy. Yes. And I do remember, you know, teachers and performers and different people who have affected me positive, positively. And I really remember those moments. Um, we, so it really doesn't matter. The joy is giving back. I think now, in my time of life, I think the joy is giving back. Uh, that multiplies. I, I think it's more joyful and more beneficial, more satisfying to give back than to be handed stuff. It just feels so much richer. Maybe it's just the time of life I'm at. You know, I, I just feel like 
that's what I, that's my purpose is to give back. Beautiful. So speaking of, you know, gathering courage and, um, you know, making changes, you told me that uh, your job at Amnesty International, this is the first workplace where you have presented as a woman, as Laura. And I would love to hear a little bit about what that experience is oh, for you. I think it was wonder, wonderfully affirming. So last, all right, so I'll give you a little short history of my cross-dressing experience. I cross-dressed as a child, uh, maybe starting the age of seven or eight, nine, uh, you, you know, with my mother's clothes secretly. Um, and um, I always felt shame and guilt and all the rest of it. Um, and then... I picked it up again, maybe in the twenties and thirties, when I was, uh, you know, probably in a more um, exploratory mood. I hadn't quite settled on my adult identity and so forth. Um, still wondering, um, and I enjoyed it. But then I did things such as purging, which I think people who are in the cross-dressing community know. They feel that whole sense of shame after they collect, you know, always in the closet, uh, a set of clothes. Um, they just feel uh, that, that they don't want to be found out. It is, it's, it's horrible. Well, I, I reached a point, you know, recently, a year or so ago, where I felt I wanted to try that again. I wanted to express my femininity. Uh, I've always enjoyed women's clothes much better than men's. And I felt, um, why not? But um, I, I didn't have the courage to, uh, well, actually, I, I joined a group uh, of uh, cross-dressers and um, I learned from them that there were certain things that they could do uh, as women uh, dressed, uh, some jobs they could do. Uh, one, one person was, uh, I think, um, helping with makeup with on a makeup counter another person was in real estate and was doing real estate as a woman and i felt kind of emboldened and more confident but when i applied for this amnesty position it was uh, still a um when i applied for this amnesty position i applied as a male the uh, the position looked really good and i i would have taken it as a male but after um the interview was over i said to them um, I don't know. Well, I, I'll tell you what inspired was, was, was those, those couple of people who were kind of role models for me. I said, how about if I take this as a woman? And they said, absolutely. They were just incredibly um, great about it. And then I got invited for a sort of a weekend training kind of thing. And I said, I would like to go as Laura. And they said, fine. Uh, we'll, you know, and, and everybody was so welcoming there was just a sense of uh, freedom, of being myself, of friendship, of warmth, uh, except all those great words. And I, I, I can't tell you the kind of high I was on all the, 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 the first few days uh, when I was just 24-7, I was Laura. And, and it, it made such a difference to my spiritual kind of health. That is really beautiful. Did did they have a non-discrimination clause or something in uh, when you were applying that gave you the idea that that would be a safe? I think I, think I you, you know what gave me the idea was that they said what kind of pronouns would you like to be referred to? How beautiful! And uh, so that kind of gave me the clue that they were open to it. And I said, yeah, 
I'll try she, her, and hers. And uh, it sort of, so they, they, they signaled that that was okay. And I kind of picked up the signal and we kind of, but it could not be a more beautiful relationship that I've, you know, because now I go to meetings as Laura. I kind of, uh, I'm accepted in the group, in the community as Laura. I, 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 and I feel more, I, I feel um, just, I don't know. You know, I, I, if you want to psychoanalyze it a little bit more, you know, I, my mother was something of a fighter. She was one of, the, you know, she also worked for Soviet Jewry uh, when the, the, you remember the Jews in the, I'm Jewish uh, in the Soviet Union were um, were not allowed to leave, and uh, she um, she was a member of a group that uh, really wrote letters and and protested that. And she's always been that type of woman. And I, 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 I've, I've looked, I had a very close relationship with my mother. She's, she's passed, but uh, I'm always feeling I'm channeling my mother when I'm doing this. And um, uh, this is the kind of fight that my mother would take on. And she's so compassionate, but so like staunch around her principles. And um, so she taught me well. She didn't, probably would be horrified to see me. Uh, in my, although, you know, I think I do, I, I, tr I try my best to, to look as, as good as she did. <laughs> well, I think you look just fine. And you're you, you know, yeah. you get to be you. <laughs> I get to be me. And I, I, I'm, I'm really happy to, 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 to find that other, because so, I don't think this, this kind of identity would be possible, would have been possible a few years back. I think we're in a great time now, great era where people are more accepting. I found no real, I mean, obviously there are people out there who are nutty and very um, insecure, I guess, about their identity. And, um, but the, um, there's been a revolution basically in people's acceptance of gender fluidity. It is, it is quite refreshing. Absolutely. So do you feel more effective in your work? As Laura, oh, I, I feel like much more energy too, um, and I want to devote to this. And uh, I'll go the extra mile. I'll do. Uh, there's all kinds of options and projects that Amnesty uh, allows you to do. Uh, doesn't uh, you know makes available. For example, there's a Universal uh, Children's Day, November. I want to say November twentieth. Universal Children's Day. And so they, you know, the option is to come up with a banner to place in a public place uh, to, to recognize this day. And I'm going to, to do that in conjunction with a piece of art that I created about the children who've been detained in um, various parts of the southern border. Um, and that is something I could not have believed I would be engaged with. Um, really being very proactive, going out, uh, meeting with people to discuss what is the, the public forum for this banner that we're going to present and uh, celebrate. And, you know, similarly, there have been other, other kinds of projects and initiatives that I've taken that uh, have surprised me, you know, because they do require a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of, um, what should I say, dedication. So, um, and, and reaching out to other people, strangers. For example, with these longer table initiatives, I don't mind 
asking restaurants to donate food. I've never asked people to donate food, but seemingly as Laura and in this role, I feel like I'm empowered. I feel, feel more power. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm happy for you just hearing you tell your story that um, yeah. you've been able to reach a new place. A new know? place, yeah. yeah. Discovering more about myself and what I'm capable of doing. Beautiful. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us about politics or gender or activism? More people should try. I, 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 feel, I feel like um, there's a lot of ma males particularly out there who are I've been in touch with who are very scared of coming out of the closet, so to speak, to use the old cliche. Um, there, it, I, I think there is something in the male DNA or whatever, psyche, that wants to be a woman. I think we're all, we were all initially in the womb female. Hmm. Then the gender thing start, happens later. The male, uh, the, and, and there's also research around, you know, why certain groups or why, why, why certain males do, are attracted to cross-dressing. And there's theories about, um, feminization of the male brain in the womb because of certain kinds of you know chemical reactions inside the womb now i don't pretend to know anything about it but there is a significant number of males who are frightened of owning up and accepting the female part of them mm. and for those i try i I've, i sent you a couple of links to um a life coach kind of service counseling service that i'm, I'm thinking that I could do because to go see a therapist is a really hard decision for people. Not only because it's not covered usually by anybody's medical insurance, you have to pay out of pocket quite a large sums out of pocket for the therapist. But I don't, you know, I think the therapist notion is well, there's something basically wrong with you to want to dress as a male, as a female, and um, it's not something wrong. I started viewing this as an asset. This is, some, this is a gift I've been given, you know? So why not embrace it and not fight it? Like I was fighting it most of my life, feeling like I was just not male enough, you know, uh, something wrong with me. I had some deficiency, some male deficiency. Why fight that? Why not embrace, why not love as I do all the feminine things that I love, you know, um, and so on. So. All right, so go back to this idea of a coaching service. So I don't, I, I don't want to charge people. Um, you know, maybe if it's five or six sessions, maybe we can negotiate a price. But what I thought of doing was, you know, over Skype or a service like this one, uh, Zoom or something, we would have a little therapy session where I would talk about the way I've kind of evolved and my my feelings on it, and and try to in some ways normalize what they're going through because these people are, are scared. They're scared of the, the wives too are not necessarily on board. And that's one of the things that scares them. The wives say, if you continue to be Jennifer or Jane and dress like this, you know, we may have to split. And that scares them terribly. They say, well, I, I want to retreat to my, and you know, uh, clearly, the wives don't quite understand what's going on, that this could be a way in which they can actually improve 
their marriage and their intimacy. Uh, it doesn't have to be a negative. But uh, so I'd like to see if I could, you know, uh, provide some service this way. So there's a couple of links that I've sent you on this this coaching service. I've never seen this. I haven't seen it on the internet that you know you you, you can do this thing. Um, and clearly, um, we'll see. I, I, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Wonderful. Well, that is a really great way of giving back. Yeah. And uh, I want to thank you for having this conversation well, with I me. I thank you, Robin, so much. It's a bit of joy. Thank you so much for thank all the you. great questions. All right. Uh, I appreciate it. Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash robinreneefan. Tweet at me at spiritrocksexy. And follow me on Instagram at robinreneemusic. I would love to hear from you. I have some breaking news of a personal nature. A few days ago, Mary's husband, Alan Simic, suffered a stroke. There is a GoFundMe to help with their massive medical expenses. Please go to bit.ly slash help Alan and contribute if you can and share it on your social media. We thank you for your support. And the link again is bit.ly slash h-e-l-p-a-l-a-n. Thank you. Wendy and I are in the blanket for this recording session. <laughs> this month. <laughs> this month. <laughs> last, last month, this month, next month. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, Samhain just happened, um, which is our recognition of the end of the year and the beginning of the new one in the, in the pagan context. And I didn't really observe it very um ritualistically this year but we yeah we had a few things going on i would say (laughs) around Samhain. um but for whatever reason i feel really renewed i woke up on november 1st and i felt like i had turned over a new leaf and i was doing things in a healthier way and just kind of very naturally which is which was interesting because i didn't really you know i had a vague idea like i like to clean house and put things in order and do some things on November 1st traditionally but it was a real kind of inner feeling of having turned a positive corner um, that's awesome I am not there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have not been there for a long time and I think that that's 
that's why it does it feels really positive i think um for me one of the things that is um very important for me is just being physically active and i was really neglecting that for a while and i can you know i can get busy there there are things that i can fill my days with with obviously you know just doing a podcast there's a lot of sitting and planning and writing and talking recording and talking <laughs> and all these things that are more uh sedentary you know although maybe we can do a jogging recording uh, well, no you can do a jogging recording <laughs> if i do a jogging recording it's going to sound like this and oh can we stop for a second okay that's, that's me jogging and talking okay <laughs> yeah no it's not it's probably not an ideal um an ideal plan but you know but anyway there's a lot of reasons to be still and i realized that um i don't have a viable choice to be sedentary all the time and so i've been thinking in my head i need to be more active and be just be more in accordance to my natural inclination around that and it seems to have happened very naturally that um whatever was inhibiting me in terms of my planning in my head and not doing a good job of organizing my day to get done what i need to do sort of has resolved itself and uh at this moment anyway i feel like that's just been happening and it's been it's it's gotten put in the category of necessity mm. Which is that's, good. And and that's a bit of advice I heard a while ago, like, you know, with exercise and the, the, the health things that you want to do for yourself, just get them in the category of like brushing your teeth. Yeah. It's just the thing that you do. Like, it's not, it's not a negotiable thing, you know? And that's, you know, so I feel, I feel good. I feel like uh, for me, a lot of what is super important for me right now is not only um, just like you know, exercise, but organization, because I'm a person who really doesn't do well in a chaotic environment. And so, but I've been allowing around me more than is healthy. So that's changing. Like, I'm actually like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm making decisions. I'm moving things. I'm creating new spaces where I feel, um, where I feel I can thrive. And I don't have all of my answers to everything I want to do and but I'm it's it's on my way it's it, I'm in that direction and it feels really good and it hasn't felt good in a long time I felt very um d despairing for at, at some points you know and that's I, I'm really happy for that shift that's really awesome for you and I I'm kind of jealous uh <laughs> I'm not there I am I am not there I've actually been and I, and it could be could be because somebody sent me a link to this website which is basically full of these psychological tests and i was bored one morning and i took them all hmm. so i don't have adhd and <laughs> and well, and then it said uh, it, it gave me a non-negative result on the bipolar test. So that was fun. Um, and I've kind of suspected I'm somewhere on like if bipolar is is a as a spectrum, like all of mental, all neuro things, I'm somewhere on there. I'm not 
and and possibly my my spouse would argue this point that that I I don't think I am bipolar to the point where I need to be medicated for it because hmm. I don't have like really manic phases or really well I and maybe I'm just depressed I don't know um, but I've noticed that the house is getting the house could use like a really good top to bottom cleaning and I need to do that anyway because the holidays are coming up but. Um, and I think that's another thing because it's it's mostly I'm feeling and noting the symptoms of accumulated stress mm -hmm. in my body and also in my spouse and uh, and I kind of note some of those things in 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 our friends too uh, and I think some of it has to do with um, our country's the situation happening in our country right now and. Some of it has to do, you know, with personal issues. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of transitioning into semi-retirement, and and it's, um, you know, there's a there's a financial aspect to this that is not comfortable, I could say. Uh, so I, you know, I worry about money, and I worry about. Um, you know, the health of our of me and the people I care about. Because uh, I'm seeing, you know, and, and we have we have relatives that are in and out of the hospital suddenly, and and it's just all this stuff is happening, and uh, so like I'm letting some shit fall to the side, and it's it's not uh, it's not a good thing. I mean, I at least I recognize it. I haven't got to the point where I'm going to sit down and say, okay, I need to like flip the switch and do something about it, like clean the house or or whatever. Um, and it's like, and I also managed to, when I, when I have a day where I said, all right, today I'm going to take care of myself. And I have a list of things I want to do, like, including like soak in my gigantic tub that I have for soaking in purposes. I waited like my entire adult life to get this bathtub put into my house and, you know, and maybe once every quarter I will get in there, <laughs> lay in the tub. So um, and I, I had it on my list of things to do. And by the time the day ended, I just did not feel, I didn't even have the energy to even take a bath. So it's, you know, mm. and, and then I, and I reading other people's blogs about how they're, the thing that cues them into that they're depressed now is that they don't take a shower for a week. And it's like, okay. I haven't had a shower in a week. Maybe I should go take a shower. Um, you know, it's like just weird shit that you just kind of fall into these these uh, patterns that are not in your best interest, and it's uh, hard to break out of it. It's 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 a constant struggle, you know, because it's the it's living in late stage capitalism. It's because it's got that just the environment that we live in like this entire country or the world, even um, it, it's already, you've got like this baseline of stress that's there, no matter who you are. And then depending on who you are, your baseline could be a higher or, or lower, depending on, on uh, where you are in the social structure and all of that other shit. And then, and that's just the background noise. And then there's like the stuff that applies specifically to you, mm. you know, like as an individual, like, 
you know, what, where are you in your stage of life? You know, um, it's, you know, cause if you're in puberty, you've got like hormones. And if you're in menopause, you've got hormones <laughs> and, and, and all of those come along with other stressors. And then, and then there's the, 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 the you know, the life path you're choosing. So, <sighs> yes, I, I think, I think it's important if you can figure out how to schedule your days where you carve out time for yourself. And even, I guess, even if you could take like a couple of minutes every hour and just do some deep breathing exercises, I think I've, I read that recently and, and I, and I, my, my brain said, yeah, you should be doing that, Wendy. And it's like, I don't remember to do that. So I, I know they have apps that will um, remind you, remind you to do a thing. And maybe I need to get one of those. I'm know. kind of resistant to that. I feel like, why do I need an app to remind me to do, but, but, but I'm sure they help. If, even if it's something that rings a bell or, or I don't know, I guess set it's my literally own a bell to, to remind you. To, yeah. To, to, to get up out of your chair to do something yeah i was doing uh dancing to an adamant song every hour or something for a while which oh, i've that's... fallen off of that wagon but that's a good one <laughs> i like that i like that yeah. i i you know because otherwise especially like if you're if you get into a zone like if you're doing like if i'm drawing and i'm getting and i get into into flow i can sit here for three hours and not move i mean i'm moving my hands but my butt is still in that chair mm -hmm. and uh that's not healthy physically um to do that so mm -hmm. i you know just i mean just taking a little especially if you have a job where you're sitting all day to just get up every hour and take a walk around the house around the office yeah for, minutes it's like and you're you know the the employees they're smoking they're, they're taking their smoke breaks so you know I, and i always felt i always felt you know when i when i was an office worker and there were the smokers would get all these you know they go out for 10 15 minutes like every hour or so to smoke a cigarette and i'm going you know if i stop working that long constantly during the day somebody would say something did they well did everybody get breaks or they just had literally literally was, smoke breaks it was never nothing was really official because it was all salary stuff uh, you know we're not we're not hourly you know um hourly kind of employees where that like like where you're in like a fast food plate or like you're not like in a service thing you're in an office and and you know the stuff that you, there would be meetings that you would be unnecessary and big time wasters. And then there would be, <laughs> uh, you know, and then there's like the morning where everybody's saying hi and catching up on television or sports or all that other crap, or they come into your office to just talk about random shit. So you can't get work done. And, and, uh, which is always why you're more productive at home because you don't, I, I think it was 90 minutes to two hours every day was spent in social interactions that were not directly related to wow. the office bottom line. Yeah. I'm and glad I'm not dealing with people very often. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird, but no, I'm, no, I'm a doesn't... little bit misanthropic sometimes. I think, I don't know. Well, after you work with <laughs> enough people, you kind of get that way. Yeah. No, I mean, I like to collaborate with people 
on specific things. Um, but yeah, when you're sort of in an environment of a bunch of people not chosen by you, having yeah, to that's deal something with when you're, when you're, you, you get to, when you collaborate with people, you're picking the people. You're yeah, not having nice like some, some HR goon that, that's who's a jerk to begin with picking all of your coworkers. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when you can find an office where you can stand like half the people, even like a tenth of the people in the office, <laughs> you, you keep that job. Wow. Huh, so anyway, so, we're, we keep we keep working on it. Yeah, and I, and I hope uh, us sharing our particular trials and triumphs uh, help you guys. And uh, and if you can, if you have some suggestions for me. Uh, please let me know uh, on our Facebook page or our Patreon page if yes. you've signed up to we'll be a patron. To, that's right. <laughs> Talk to us. It's, it's, it would be great to keep making it more and more of a conversation for this segment. Yeah. All right. Till next time. <laughs>